You're listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jangle, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body IOFM. I am your host, Andrea Jengel. I go by AJ, and with my co-host today, Alex Navarro. Good Hi, morning. Alex. Good morning. Good. Or afternoon. And we have a, yeah, it's afternoon here, morning there, <laughs> and probably morning when people are listening to this. But um, today we have a special guest on. It is a Body IO coach, and it's Tony Sangimino. Hi, Tony. Hello, everybody. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. So uh, I think a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with you just because uh, we do have the coaching bio page up on the website. But uh, just in case we've got some new listeners or anyone who's not familiar with you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My uh, main thing is I'm a judo player. Um, I was the um, a national champion and I'm a strength and conditioning coach as well as assistant coach at the uh, Jason Morris Judo Center. It's an Olympic training site for the uh, United States. And um, really, it's just uh, a matter of using, you know, the principles that we preach at Body IO, carb backloading, carb night, shockwave, and different kind of training protocols and training methods to try and get my uh, athletes on and off the mat to be in the best shape as they can be. Awesome. And I know that you've been using carbonate and carb backloading for a long time yourself. So you, can you give us a little bit of history there and how you got into that? Yeah. Um, it really started out as just me trying everything. I was just super interested in kind of how the body affects performance. I, I had never thought about it when I was younger. Like looking back on that, that's that's crazy. But I really never thought about it until... <laughs> you know, in my teens and really started to just experiment with myself and experiment with my training partners and experiment with pretty much anyone I can get my hands on and um, really went through pretty much every kind of phase or training method or eating method that that I could find out or read and, and all that stuff. Ended up doing like kind of slow carby stuff for a while found Kiefer through um, like a powerlifting group and the rest was history. I mean, I, I immediately saw results and I could find that perfect spot when it came to cutting weight in terms of like not using too much carbs and not using obviously not enough. So it, it just fit my goals and what I needed to do perfectly. And it really transitioned to all my clients and they use it and it's just so efficient. Awesome. So some of some of our listeners might need might not be familiar with what's kind of involved in cutting weight and why that's so important to you and how you've been able to use these protocols to make that process easier. So can you kind of just give us a summary about that? Yeah, the main thing was when I realized the uh, connection between kind of glycogen stores and how much water you can hold. Mm. Um, I think that's that was like the main principle I stumbled upon that really made it so easy to get water out of people. Like when you cut weight, 
um, you have a certain amount of body mass, either muscle or fat, what have you. And the most efficient way to make a weight class to get a size advantage in a competition is to try and just squeeze the water out because you can rehydrate and uh, not see a huge lack in performance. So when I realized that decreasing the carbs meant also pulling a lot of water out of the body at the same time, um, it just made everything so easy to track. It made everything immediately become black and white. And uh, one of my training partners, Brad Bullen, another one, Hannah Martin, um, two of the top top competitors in their respective weight classes, they started implementing it as well in their programs and just same thing. They just saw immediate results. It was so so much easier to track your weight cut using these principles than any other method I've found. Yeah, I found that uh, body IO coach Dane, who's a strongman competitor, like he's he kind of laughs when he has to cut for a contest. I mean, he's kind of on the lighter uh, lighter side of the uh, strongman world weight classes anyway. But I mean, cutting weight for him is just a total total joke. Like he's now, I think I think he's been narrowing down his uh, cutting phase before weigh in to like only a couple of days, whereas before he used to have to do a week. So. Um, obviously that helps them just even psychologically the week leading up to a contest. Yeah. And the big thing there too, is you, the shorter window that you can make your weight cut, the more effective it's going to be. A lot of people think you have to start like way, way out, but you don't actually start cutting weight until your first weight cutting session, the day of weigh-ins, everything else should just be diet, you know, slowly, Mm -hmm decreasing your overall, you know, macros and calories and stuff like that, getting your, your base weight lower. Mm -hmm. And you want to just wait until right before you have to make weight, then squeeze all the water out. That way the overall stress on your body is way less. Um, one of the really sad things I I hate seeing it's, it's heartbreaking is you see guys that are three, two, three weeks out from competitions and they're putting on plastics and, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to mess with their, uh, trying to squeeze all that water out as soon as they can. Cause it's an anxiety thing. You know, every time you see that scale weight and it's not where you want it to be, you get that little anxiety pulse and it's like, Oh, I need to throw my plastics on. I need to get my weight mm-hmm. lower. It's not where it should be. And it's, it's really just an, an emotional response. It's has nothing to do, nothing validated, you know, physically. Right. And you want to be feeling as good as you can leading up for to the as event. long as you can. <laughs> right. <laughs> leading up to the event and not have to worry about mm-hmm. that. Right. Thank goodness so, there's much I'm... safer ways of doing it versus I know that we've had a conversation in the past about you know, back in the in the old wrestling days and the crazy things that people used to do to try to drop weight when mm-hmm. if we had and known it's... we could have just simply <laughs> manipulated our carbohydrate intake, it would have solved the problem. And we all would have felt and looked a lot better and been able to perform at a, at a more optimal level. Yeah, and I think with wrestling too, it's really kind of emphasized as part of the sport, you know. But mm-hmm. now they have a lot of liability issues where it 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 can't continue to be a part of the sport technically. Like when you have kids that are competing, the incentive for them to cut weight is just too strong to get an advantage and you can't have 
you know, I'm talking about eight and nine year old kids cutting weight to make weight classes for some like local, regional or state competition or whatever. I mean, it, it's and it, it really comes down to the parents and they just don't know. They don't know that the effects it has on your body. They don't know the effects it has on your brain. I mean, it, like I said, it's an anxiety thing. It's an emotional response to the whole situation. And that's I think that's where the big problem is. When, um, you know, we just spoke briefly just before we uh, started recording here, but just this is kind of a good segue because we were talking about some gender differences. And I know that, you know, I think our audience wants to hear some of the gender differences that you see um, with training males and females in your arena. And one thing that you brought up is the emotional differences. So um, I think we've tapped into uh, what you're just talking about and maybe just segue into that if you want to just maybe tell us some stories for starters or just things that you observe. Um, emotional differences when it comes to cutting weight. Women do not mind not eating. If you ask a woman, what'd you eat today when she's cutting weight? They will almost 100% reply back with, I had a banana and a yogurt. And that's it. <laughs> Why, is, yo six, why six, is yogurt always the go-to? I have no idea. 6.30 p.m. 6.30 uh, p.m. Oh, and you've had a banana and a yogurt all day. Uh, I mean, a guy won't do that. But. A guy <laughs> will definitely not restrict his food to a banana and a yogurt. Now, on the other side, we're... Women are kind of the opposite with water. I noticed guys don't mind not drinking water. Guys will stay dehydrated for weeks. They don't care as long as they can eat, whatever. Women, the exact opposite. They need to drink stuff. They need to drink water. They need to drink coffee. They need to drink tea. They need to be drinking something all the time, flavored something. And I don't know if that has to do with like – you guys' cycles and water redistribution and getting, you know, hotter during during those uh, phases you guys go through. But I just I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's scientific or just like a coincidence. I, I don't know. I don't know. But that's that's it definitely true, one of the main things I see. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's totally weird. true. And um, kind of getting into more like the physical differences. Um, women are just seem to be a lot more headstrong when it comes to cutting weight where guys won't quit more often, but guys tend to be a lot more extreme. Sorry about that. A lot more extreme. So what do you mean they tend to be a lot more extreme, like either totally on or totally off or? Yeah, they, they're either dying and it's the end of the world and they're not going to be able to do it. And then they're, you know, having some, really high intense training session usually fueled by anxiety to try and get it all off whereas women stay a little bit more consistent throughout the whole thing they might be more miserable <laughs> emotionally but they're going to be consistent they're going to kind of be more collected and get it over with okay so right now we're just talking in the context of cutting and we'll get into other stuff uh yeah this after is that yeah this is pure just cutting because uh, that's where we were so and you were going to say one maybe another difference there I don't know. Um, but physically? Uh, yeah, I don't sound like you had something else to say before I interrupted. Sure. Um, 
when you know you start cutting weight there's a lot of physical uh issues that can arise your body has a lot less water to deal with and all that stuff so injuries become more prominent especially after we've done all this hard work ramping up to this whatever event that we're doing um and women are easily more prone to ACL injuries specifically. You guys have wider set hips and any kind of movement pattern that consistently reinforces that bad movement pattern is almost always rewarded with an ACL tear or an LCL tear or something to that effect. Whereas men, you see it in the opposite realm where shoulder injuries, labrum tears, uh, you know, AC joint separations, stuff like that because of the wider shoulders. And again, those incorrect movement patterns being reinforced along with the weight cut. And it's just so much stress on the body. Guys blow their shoulders out, girls blow their knees out. And that's kind of the uh, vicious cycle of things. <laughs> so do you uh, do you find that using your nutrition training um, and expertise, and this is, again, just in the context of cutting weight for competition, do you find that you're able to avoid a lot of these uh, negative, like possible negative outcomes? Have you seen a big difference with your tactics? Yeah, of course. You're just staying hydrated, hyperhydrated even, for as long as you can is just one of the best things you can do in preparation for a weight cut or in preparation for any kind of, um, you know, competition where weight is going to be, um, maybe not the main issue, but like a large issue. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for, you know, some of our, um, newer listeners, what you're saying is because, uh, with carb backloading or carb night, you're, you're controlling the carbohydrate loads. So, um, meticulously that you're able to stay hydrated for longer and still cut, right? Correct. Okay. Awesome. So, um, maybe just moving on from the context of in a cutting situation, but just in general, I think, uh, you know, when it comes to combat sports, I was surprised when uh, when you started working for us, and, and actually even before, and, and I'm glad we started working together, because I was surprised how many female combat athletes were coming to Body.io for coaching. Um, it seems to be like it's a, a growing population, and you have a lot of experience working with females and males, so I'm going to totally leave it open for you to kind of just take this where you want to take it and talk to us about the differences that you see in training, whether it be uh, like physical training or uh, with with diet uh, specifically. Um, I'm sorry. Can, can you repeat that one more time? I'm just going to let you take it away and, and talk about what, you know, in your experience, what you've seen, uh, the differences between men, men and women or just things that you'd like to touch on to, you know, help both those audiences with combat sports and preparation uh, with nutrition and training. There is a plague going on in the mixed <laughs> martial arts world. I mean it. I'm serious. It's a big plague. And vegetarianism is very in right now in the MMA world and it's really unfortunate that um, a growing population for women especially in any kind of sports world uh, kind of has that as the I don't want to say 
default dietary recommendation, but it's so prominent, especially with females. Almost all of my personal friends that do MMA, including Ronda Rousey, are vegetarian and they're pushing it. And it's like, I just, it's sad to see a, you know, an industry that's growing, that's doing so much good things for women, not in, and not even just in MMA in strength sports, you know, CrossFit was a huge deal in kind of making lifting weights sexy. Mm -hmm. So I would really like to see that stuff stop. I mean, I would really like to see better educational platforms out there for women getting involved in sports, um, especially younger women. I would like to see, and not even just women there with younger kids in general, boys, girls, it really doesn't matter. And, and, and the parents need to learn it and the kids need to know it. Um, I guess that's my, my biggest issue as far as the MMA scene goes with that. Um, but as far as, uh, Differences in training and stuff, there's not going to be a, a giant difference in in MMA training or judo training or jiu-jitsu training between a man and a woman only because the sports are less athletic than, say, pure strength sports or CrossFit. There's a lot more technique. They're a lot more complex, has a lot more to do with, you know, your body's awareness, your um, timing and the techniques involved are so complex that things like pure speed and pure strength are just less relevant, mm -hmm. especially when you look at like something like jujitsu. I mean, you're laying down most of the time so that immediately you're not supporting your body with your body, which is kind of weird when it comes <laughs> to a sport, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, is. it is. It's strange. Um, so, I mean, judo has like more of an athletic component to it than some other things. And MMA obviously does as well. But they're not like pure athletic sports. You know what I mean? This isn't track and field. This isn't, uh, the, you know, powerlifting or O-lifting. It's, it's way more complex. Mm -hmm. So then it makes training more simplified, as weird as that sounds. Because, because uh, yeah, you're just focusing totally on it. more one one component of it. Sorry. Just... Yeah, I mean, you have sure you need all these components to learn and everything. You need different goals to kind of min max for your sport, but there's less of a pure dependency on the most athletic person, you know. Whereas in O lifting and powerlifting and track and field and sprinting and all that stuff. Usually your most genetically gifted guy is going to be somewhere towards the top as long as he's had a good uh, coaching staff and a good career and all that stuff. Whereas that's really not the same with MMA. I mean, you, some of those freaks or specimens out there, you really don't see at the top only because those qualities aren't, mm. you know, they're not relative. Mm -hmm. Which is that's kind of a new concept. Yeah, the, and those qualities help for sure. I mean, you want if everything's even, the stronger, faster, whatever guy is gonna win, assuming that the technique and everything is right. Is it's just all kind even. of utilizing them appropriately, because you could exactly. be really good at something, exactly. but if you're not coached well through it or know how to take advantage of the skills that you have, it's not gonna do you any good. 
Mm-hmm. You can never reach your full potential mm-hmm. unless you you focus all those things in one direction. And would you say, so, like, for for someone that you coach, is there? You know, we kind of talked about briefly on the emotional side of things, and in terms of like the cutting time, how women have a different maybe emotional response or, or stress plays a role. How is that? You know, how do you incorporate that that sort of training? or even just communication with an athlete as, as they're preparing for something, you know, there's obviously they have their, their training program, but what other components are involved and necessary to help prepare them for an event? You know, the, one of the biggest ones, it's actually not even really a training thing. It's a little bit more environmental, but having everyone understand what, (laughs) everyone's going through you know there's times where there'll be 30 people in class and sure not like all three of those people are prepping for the same tournament they're not all prepping they're all cutting weight and doing all that stuff but for the handful of people that are it's important for everyone else to realize what's going on and it's important for the people cutting to know that what they're doing is a choice you know Mm -hmm. I feel like when people are alone and left inside their own heads especially under any kind of dietary, um, like any kind of, um, what am I saying? Sort of restriction. Restriction. Yeah. Caloric restriction or dietary restriction, anything like that. The nervous energy you're able to generate just in your own head is insane. And I think that, (laughs) yeah, talking to people like your teammates and everything really, uh, can help break that nervous energy down. Um, and I think that's the main thing is just to get people comfortable doing what they're doing and not just being stuck inside their own heads, freaking themselves out, thinking that they don't have any other choice. You know, mm-hmm. all of, sports are a choice in general. And, and when people lose that concept in their head, I think that's when all these demons start coming out and people... Mm-hmm. I definitely experienced that multiple times in prep for a show just in that last week, you know, kind of manipulating mm-hmm. the water and the carbs to have, you know, I, I was going for a different goal, the aesthetic goal, but it's still all the same water and carbohydrate manipulation. And mm-hmm. I I can think back to the times when I didn't talk to anybody about the freakouts that I was having and the anxiety I was feeling and the nervousness and I just got super in my head and I just remember a couple of times being in the gym on those last few training sessions and trying to hold back crying and I'm thinking like why am I crying <laughs> this is something that I, I I want to do I'm excited to do and it, it's supposed to be fun like what <laughs> what's going on but then just being able to have somebody that I could call an old fitness friend who I used to compete with, and she's like, she understands. And she doesn't have to really say that much to me to calm me down, but just having that conversation like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking about. Um, You know, help me through it. And anytime I've ever made that call, I've always felt 100% better afterwards. Because again, just like you said, it's my choice. I decided to do this. No one's putting the pressure on me but me to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to be fun. And (laughs) so... And sometimes it's like we get so caught up, again, in our own heads that we feel like our problems are all our problems. Mm -hmm. And when 
you kind of bring it to someone else, regardless of whether they give you any input or not, like you were saying, it's just good to know that someone understands and that it's like, it's a, it's a, it's every, it's a global problem. It's not your problem. It's just part of the thing, you know, it's part of the sport. It's part of the journey, if you will. And it's just like getting everyone to put everything in perspective while they're doing something that's so important to them at that time, it's crucial. It's mm-hmm. crucial and get, especially having someone have a long, healthy career. I mean, anyone can kind of grind and do everything wrong for three, three and a half, two years or whatever and get some good results. But in terms of like building a foundation and having a long, healthy career and whatever you you know, what, and whatever you decide to do with your body, <laughs> it's just absolutely crucial. You know, what's uh, interesting listening to you guys chat about this and, you know, Tony, your experience having to cut for, for professional sports and then Alex for, you know, doing stage prep. Um, you guys are talking about like all the emotional things that go along with this. And Tony made a very good point. Like this is a sport. Sports are optional. You do this because it's your passion and it's what you want to do. And it makes me think of these people that email me sometimes, and you want to know what they want? I know they where want, you're going with this. You know where you're going? They want oh, yeah. to cut water for a weekend event. <laughs> yeah. Like, they honestly want to know how to cut, like, water weight like you would for a stage prep because they're going to a pool party or they're going to a wedding. And I just look at those people, and I'm like, if you think that you're going to just walk off the street and execute some kind of stage prep, uh, like, water manipulation – for a two hour event on a Saturday afternoon, why the heck would you ever put yourself through that? So, because <laughs> they don't realize know, what's a, involved, I think. They don't. And, and I see, you know, you see those, I don't know, you see sometimes on forums and stuff where, you know, and it's particularly women, but guys do it too, where they're like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm holding a little bit of water today. And you know what my honest, goodness answer to that is, especially if you're like, like you said, you're not prepping for a weigh in or a contest. It's like, get over it. (laughs) You're going to hold water some days. You know what? I hold water some days too. And I get up and I'm like, huh, I'm holding some water today. That's the end of it. That's as much thought that goes into that. And I just wanted to put that out there for some of our listeners that, you know, aren't really uh, into competitive sports or getting up on stage, but they're always asking about water manipulation. And you guys just kind of nailed it where it's like, there's so much emotionally involved that I just, I can't really go there with just the everyday person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and mainly cause it's like completely pointless to go there with the everyday person. It it's is like, pointless. In terms of, of managing your stress and how much, you know, willpower you're willing to invest in certain things in your life. I mean, holding, restricting the, your ability to drink water if you don't like absolutely have to like that's Terrible. insane when you say it when you say it out loud it's just like <laughs> why like would you restrict breathing like no it's it's an essential thing to to existence you know i can't it's just bizarre i i know what you're saying and especially with how many how much stuff you've put out about like your sport hurting you and how it's not all about you know, training for that sport just because you think it's sexy, just because it's like, oh, I saw these guys cutting weight on TV and they're ripped and I want to be ripped this weekend. 
uh, it seems like a fast, easy way to get to be able to see my abs, you know, and that's really how it's used recreationally. And that's Mm -hmm. it's pretty sad. It is. And guys and girls are like usually getting ripped to go to like a pool party where then they're going to drink their face off. I'm like, so what's the freaking Right. And all of those lines and definitions are going to disappear very fast. Yeah. And especially because everyone's going to be drunk and they're not going to be able to notice them anyway. (laughs) So anyway, I don't want to like go in, you know, to too much detail about that. But when you guys were talking about it, I was just thinking about all those messages that I get, like you said, about cutting water for, you know, a a weekend party. And I just think it's totally pointless. So I wanted to touch on that. But Tony, the next question I wanted to ask you was, so, you know, you're talking to MMA training, you're saying that you know, gender differences, like they really, there really isn't much difference at all. Um, but how about when you're manipulating something like carb backloading um, for, you know, an athlete, male or female, um, basically doing the same kind of training? What do you find to be different there with the nutrition? Or do you find anything to be different? Uh, the more I kind of look into this, the differences between like glycogen resynthesis um compared uh for men and women there's weird things in the literature where you it's almost as if there isn't a difference when you're taking highly trained women and comparing them to highly trained men and that's strange because i always assumed that there was a big difference, like a big difference. Um, and when I think I'm starting to kind of realize is that I think the big differences that do occur in some populations are more because of what they have done to their bodies in the past. If you look at a lot of, um, If you look at a lot of highly trained female athletes, this is usually cycling. Like a lot of the literature focuses primarily on cycling. Mm -hmm. So it's not like easily extrapolated into other things. But there's no differences. As long as everyone keeps their overall energy requirements where they need to be, there's not differences. And I don't see that... uh, I don't see that with my athletes and I don't see that with a lot of talking to a lot of people. But again, I think that's because a lot of athletes have a tendency to do bad things to their body when they're younger. You know, like I was saying with young athletes needing the education, needing to have their parents educated. And um, like what Kiefer's talked about, how it's so important to create a healthy foundation and if you don't kind of take advantage of the time, that early time you have to create that healthy foundation, you're going to pay for it later and you can repair it and you can make it better. But it looks like only to a certain extent. Right. <laughs> it's almost mm-hmm. like you've kind of, um, you just reduced your like maximum potential, like overall. And that's, and again, I don't know any of this for sure, but just following the research, following everything, that's kind of what it looks like it's pointing to. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's scary. Mm-hmm. 
So you, you find like with a, a male or female trained athlete, let's say they, they don't have like a scary diet history and they haven't, you know, abused their body. A woman could ingest carbohydrates just as often as a, a male could. It might not be the same amounts of carbohydrate, but uh, the frequency uh, would likely be the same. And there's really not much difference overall, except for possibly like total caloric intake. Right. As long as yeah. everything's scaled to their body. Remember, women are a lot smaller than men usually, just on average, just natural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to need to eat less carbs, but they're also going to need to eat less everything, mm-hmm. you know, and there's an association between people say like, oh, they have to eat less carbs. Yeah, but they have to eat less everything. You know, right. it's not just <laughs> the carbs. It's it's everything. And um well, that, that's like, kind of like your Facebook post the other day about, you know, how many calories some people will put in a coffee. And I think I commented on it. We're like, I've seen food logs where like someone's coffee is 400 calories. Yeah, or um, more. 400 yeah. not bad, I've seen. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, <laughs> well, if I were to do that, then I guess I'd be skipping lunch like 120 right. pounds. I can't have a 500 calorie coffee in the morning if I want to fill my food up or fill my day up with nutrients dense food that's going to keep me full right <laughs> yeah and then going back a little bit just to the overall energy content and stuff like that women also have uh, consistently they eat less they eat less than they need to and that's also going to pour over into uh, glycogen resynthesis if overall energy requirements are too low you know your body just mm-hmm. can't restock those muscles it can't restock the liver can't restock all the things it needs to to restock if if the overall energy is just not enough if the input does not match the output it just it creates a problem you know it's funny you say that because uh tony and i had spoken because i was experiencing like when i menstruate i would just always look like super super flat and like I just never felt like I looked like my glycogen was um, re- replenished, and I was just kind of like, God, it's like the worst feeling. I would have like this awesome pump leading up to, and then after I just felt deflated. And I played Low with hormones. my, yeah. Well, I played with my my carbs a little bit, increasing them, and I was like, okay, that did. Um, you know, I didn't think it really made that much of a difference, but. Then I ramped up my caloric intake significantly for a few days, and I haven't had that problem since, and it's been a few cycles now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was just a little interesting side experiment that Tony happened to be in on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, it's weird. I've actually been like researching so much about periods and the menstruation <laughs> cycles, and it's it's like it's so weird, but it also like that I'm researching it but it also i'm so into just kind of natural cycles anyway like there's been so many kind of weird cycles in my life and it's really easy for me to relate that information so it's mm-hmm. it's kind of naturally interesting for me and i work with so many women as it is and i want to work with with more women because i think that they get the shaft in the fitness industry <laughs> actually yeah. I know what you do it's not even a matter yes. of thinking um, yeah and it's uh, it's just really cool to be able to like have a I don't know almost intimate understanding like a lot of a lot of trainers out there and a lot of people who work with women don't know these things and mm-hmm. 
I like to know. I like to know everything. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it yeah, makes, it's interesting. makes a big difference, too, in how you're going to be able to communicate with your athletes as well, because understanding yeah. what those cycles are, what they're going through on an emotional level and being able to, you know, just be there and support them through very the, through the various cycles around their training, around an event. Is there anything that you've noticed, like patterns or themes that have come up in women that you've trained based on that? Competing, competing in a low hormone state is like absolutely necessary for optimal performance, I think. Um, what do you mean in a low hormone state? Yeah. Like at the beginning of beginning, so. menstruation. Yeah. yeah. Like towards the, the middle the middle of your whole cycle in your luteal phase, like you're, you have very high hormones. That's when PMS usually starts to set in and it's, it's very hard to mentally as well as physically collect, collect yourself enough to be able to function without kind of self-destructing. You see a lot of, especially with, with my girls, I see a lot of them feel so much better when they work out on their periods. They feel stronger. They might, I mean, some of them say they can gas out a little bit quicker, um, but they feel so much more comfortable. And I don't know if that's just them being used to a certain thing or if it's that low hormone state that's really beneficial for for performance might even be the contrast of the way you feel the week before (laughs) it's like yeah yeah, it's just like it's like sometimes it's like just the contrast is like oh my god i'm back to normal and you just want to go out and kick everyone's ass (laughs) in a good way (laughs) everything's ass just want to tackle everything um i think that contrast has a lot to do with it too Mm -hmm. for sure i totally agree i didn't even think about that but that's a great point and and do you have female athletes? I mean, you don't have to talk about anyone specifically, obviously, but do you run into the issue with uh, young girls, maybe not young girls, who aren't menstruating because of their, um, let's say yes, their... Yes, yes, and yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all, now, like, it's so often, it's so, it's such a norm that's that I deal with that... Now, have uh, you observed that these women aren't necessarily super lean either? It, the leanness almost doesn't have anything to do with it. It's interesting. Well, from what I've noticed, anyway, maybe it does, but it's um, what it looks like is it really comes down to just not eating enough. It's yeah. pretty simple. I agree 100%. Everything that I've ever seen. And, and you know, actually, the studies do support that too, but yeah. um, it almost has nothing to do with the level of leanness. Now, you can take someone, you know, that being said, someone can just have too little body fat to produce the right hormones to menstruate, but. Um, other side of the spectrum is you can have a lot of body fat and not get your period because you're not eating enough food overall. So is that like, I know you're so into like educating, you know, especially young athletes. Is that something that anyone addresses at all or? You know, I don't, I don't think that it's something that people address enough. I mean, I'm always super open with it. Um, but, uh, it's really easy for me to be super open with all that stuff. Like one of the first questions I really like to ask someone when I work with them is about, you know, how they poop and pooping their pooping schedule just (laughs) because it's so important. But that's one of those things where we not being able to like break 
those weird kind of barriers down, you know, those intimate barriers of like pooping and menstruation and stuff like that. Like it's so, I know it's so taboo, but it's absolutely necessary. These are main functions like of the body. And if something's wrong with them, it's usually indicative. There's something seriously wrong with, you know, something else. It's never just like, oh, I haven't pooped in two days. Like, that's not okay. Right. You need to poop, <laughs> mm-hmm. you yeah. know? And, oh, oh, I haven't got my, my period in three months. Uh, it's like, what? Mm-hmm. Or you've had a day of your period in three months. Right. It's like, what? Yeah. One? But if yeah. so, right, and if, but if someone's exper- has been experiencing that for so long, it's just a normal thing for them, and they think that that's just exactly. how they are, rather than exactly. okay, I, this is not normal. I'm supposed to be going every day or having my period every month. What's what's the problem? And I don't know if it's mm-hmm. just that it is kind of a common thing, so people don't think it's a big deal. But but especially if I you're trying it- to to do something specific like be an athlete perform in some way um yeah though i mean those those everyday movements are pretty important yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and you know i think for female athletes too um i'm just gonna chime in here just uh just because we're on this topic and i think it's important because i've experienced this myself if you have a heavy cycle and it's a nuisance when you do sports, it's really easy to not miss it when it goes away. And that's a trap that I fell into at one point because mine would somewhat limit the things I could physically do for a few days. When it stopped happening at one point in my life, I really was just like, you know what? This is such a pain in the ass. I don't even care if I don't have it right now. Which you is almost the, embraced it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the most awful thing. I, I totally snapped out of it right away. And I realized how stupid that thought was. But that was my initial reaction. And that was honestly my reaction. I was like, this thing has plagued me for years. And now it's like, it's gone. I didn't miss it. Uh, and then, of course, I looked at the, you know, the broader spectrum and I was like, this is pretty stupid. I need to get my my shit together. Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to say that on there? <laughs> I think so. We'll, found out, we'll find out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Tony, I, uh, we've got a few more minutes left. So, I mean, obviously, your passion is just helping people in general and you're and, you know, in your area of expertise with sports and also outside of that, too, because you help a lot more than just um athletes through the body IO coaching. So is there anything you kind of just want to say to summarize to people and in general or sign off with today? Yeah, I guess that it's all connected. You know, how you act in like your normal life is going to bleed over into how you act in your professional and your fitness life. Like it's all related, you know, and, and learning to kind of see those patterns for yourself and then address them however you know, you as an individual need to address them. It's just so easy to be able to to fix and organize kind of your whole life like that because it, it all relates to each other. It's all relevant. Like the body is the body, you know, whether you're sitting at your computer or you're in the gym working out, nothing has really changed that much. You know, it's all the same function it's all the same organism and it really needs to be treated a little bit more i don't know comprehensively Mm -hmm. i guess 
Yeah, I think people lose sight because, you know, the message is always like, oh, we're all so different. We're all so different. But at the end of the day, we're really not. Um, Isn't that annoying? Yeah, it, it's very, <laughs> you know, it's almost the t I almost want to do this as like a, a topic for a podcast because it's like, yeah, we're different. We're different in how we have to tackle things. We all have different life demands and we all have a different diet history, which, I, like you said, plays a huge role. But at the end of the day, we're kind of all the same. Mm -hmm. it's very mixed it's a mixed message and it's uh it's hard to understand and think unless you've really worked with a lot of people to understand what that means it's two extreme constants kind of like coexisting with each other and there's there's no other people always get and it's easy to get flustered by it too because it's like i thought we were all the same and it's like <laughs> oh i thought we were all different and it's like well it's kind of high <laughs> doses of both <laughs> like sorry <laughs> Like, I know that sucks to, like, wrap your head around, but it's a fact. Like, we're all so much alike and so much different at the same time. And you just got to accept it. I think that's an awesome way to wrap up this podcast. <laughs> and maybe we could just do a whole rant podcast about that topic with you. It would <laughs> have to be a rant podcast. Yeah, it would yeah. have to be a <laughs> It totally would because yeah, this is the thing I actually sit here and think about quite often. It's actually quite funny, but um, we really appreciate you coming on Her Body. Uh, sorry, it's not Her Body IOFM. It's Her Body <laughs> brought to you by Body IOFM. I will get that go. right job, eventually. I promise. <laughs> Someone will have to edit that for me. But um, so, if you want to work with Tony Sangimino as your Body IO coach, you can contact me, AJ, at coaching at body.io. I process all the assessments for all the clients and then match them accordingly with the appropriate coach. And um, of course, you can always request to work with someone if you like. So, thanks again, Tony, and thanks for everyone for tuning in. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Her Body IOFM with your hosts, Alex Navarro and Andrea Jengel. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance. <laughs>